Welcome to the Quintessential Podcast. Quinn Kesnick joined by Maryland head coach John Tillman. As we're about halfway through the regular season, teams are uh, in conference play. Coach Tillman, uh, great that you could spend some time with us today. I, I want to uh, actually keep this a little more global so it's a little more timeless. So we're not going to get into specifics about this year's team so much, uh, but more talk about leadership, development of culture, some of your viewpoints on recruiting, the portal, uh, how to have fun, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would start off, you know, we met, what, back in the mid-90s, I guess. Uh, were you at Ithaca and playing for Team Toyota and commuting, or did you start playing for Toyota once you took the Navy assistant job? Yeah, um, took the Navy assistant job in, in uh, summer of 95. Um, that's when I moved down. And then I think um, that I think that was the year Toyota started, I think maybe that spring. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah, 95, 96-ish. Um, so, yeah, um, and that obviously... Um, I mean, that the level of uh, the players that, that were playing in, in the club league, I mean, was incredible. Yeah, I got more out of the Thunder experience. We, we were teammates in, what, 98 or 99. Uh, for me, it was for my first time playing in the field. You, you were, you were a, a very good defender. You never got tired. But the, watching the practice habits, that's the thing that stayed with me forever. Watching the practice and the compete level of guys like a Kip Folks or Brian Reese you know, Gary Gates professionalism that he took to practice and games, uh, like every drill for those guys, like he did two on twos with a uh, Rodney tap or a uh, Paul Cantabene. Like these guys wanted to take your head off in the middle of practice. And, and, and that, that has always stayed with me as like a professional level. Like I, I try to look for that when I go to watch college practices. Very, everybody was prideful. Um, and, and you were playing against great players um, and you were trying to earn their respect, but also like, you know, you, you know, you take some ribbon if, if, you know, you got beat or something happened in a good way. So, you know, you're always trying to make sure that you played at a high level because everybody, you know, on that indoor team, everybody was so good. And uh, I remember the same thing about all those guys, how athletic Kip Fultz was and, and Gary, uh, there was just something about the way he carried himself, um, humility. Yeah, just consistent excellence. Yeah, consistent approach. Yeah, like a guy, Jesse Hubbard was always there early working on his shooting. Gary would, would be playing wall ball. Like there's the best player in the world spending 10 minutes before practice, making sure his stick is, is perfect. Uh, I, I love that experience. From uh, your Navy time, you know, my, one of my favorite championship games is that 04 final. Uh, you know, I, my brother was a Naval Academy grad in 82. I grew up like wearing Navy stuff, going to Navy games. That was a hard game for me emotionally because how much I, I, I really truly love Navy lacrosse. What, what was the biggest takeaway from your experience down at the Naval Academy? Boy, so many things. Um, just the people, um, you know, to this day um, have some tremendous relationships um, with people I met there either, you know, obviously, you know, starts with, with Coach Mead. Um, just being a great leader and role model for me and, and thankful that he gave me the opportunity and, um, you know, his leadership style and took a lot of things from him. Um, you know, guys like Matt Hogan, another great coach and Mark Goers and Ray Finnegan. So a great staff to learn from as a young coach, but also um, so many incredible people that I worked with. You know, you had officer reps, faculty reps, um, the people that worked just on campus, you know, you, you like meet them, you talk to them and they tell you their story about, you know, where they've been and what they've done. And, you know, all those people in the military, you know, they were, 
they had a higher purpose, you know, was, you know, obviously they, they made a choice to, to go into the military, you know, and, and, and um, took an oath and still their selflessness, um, what they stood for, the sacrifices they made, um, you know, the leadership style of so many, you, you sometimes when you're young, you think of the military and you think that, you know, you think about people just barking orders, but you learn so much about the best leaders there seem to be guys that set a great example that um, were looking out for, you know, the people under them. They would never ask anybody to do something they wouldn't do themselves, um, you know, and, and things like that, that I was so fortunate to learn so much from so many people. And it was day after day after day. Um, and I think it, it's, it's stuff that I, you know, I think about and I, I utilize all the time now. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a leadership factory. And I think if you, you talk to Joe Amplo and Joe Albarisi, now it's a, those places are so special um, because of the people there and, and what that, those places stand for. You were there during 9-11, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and, and then you guys, uh, you got really good. Uh, I was, you, you had uh, great success finding prospects, uh, players who were exceptional. Uh, and that 04 team certainly showed that. How, how, how were you able to do that? What was, what was critical in, in, in finding just better lacrosse players? I think, you know, we, we had a great staff and, you know, when I got there, you know, Matt had been at Navy for a long time. So he had a good sense of the place um, a, a stylistically, you know, had his style. And then you had coach Mead who had been at army and Navy. They both had such a great respect for the service academies and, and kind of what they were looking for and the guys that would succeed. Um, and so you had, you know, in a lot of ways, two really successful coaches that were really good at identifying, identifying prospects, really good lacrosse players, but they also believed in the academies um, and what they stood for. Um, and so I think when you're there and you see the finished product, um, you see what that place can do for young men and women, um, you see the opportunities that, that they're presented with, it's an easy thing to go out and try to talk to recruits about um, because you're excited about, hey, if you come here, um, man, oh man, like you're going to have, you're going to meet amazing people. You have great experiences. You're going to grow um, uh, as a person in so many ways, but the opportunities after great uh, graduation are, are just unlimited. And, and so it was all honest. It was true. It was something that you believed in and, and you would get excited talking uh, to young, young men about it. And so I think we, you know, obviously we recruited some really good players, uh, some guys that really blossomed. Uh, sometimes, you know, you, you got to get a little bit lucky. I think Graham Gill was a guy that blossomed into a tremendous player. Um, he was a great athlete that really developed even more than I think anybody really thought he was an excellent soccer player, but was still raw. And um, I think Dom Starja kind of called coach Mead and said, Hey, I think I got uh, a nephew that I think is pretty good. And I think he became a lot better than we thought. And uh, some of the guys that we got just, again, they were so invested, they were talented um, and they believed in, you know, Hey, we think we can be pretty good. And they took a chance on us. Um, and, but the brotherhood there and how hard those guys worked and all the sacrifice they made for each other. Um, I see that in those guys today, you know, I live in Annapolis now, so I see some of those guys that I coached, um, and they come in and out of town a lot. And, uh, we still have some group texts that we stay together on and, uh, just tremendous guys, um, guys that you would want as friends for the rest of your lives and guys you can always count on if you were in a pinch. 
What was the hardest part of, of taking over at Harvard in terms of leadership? You, you go from a very successful assistant coach, recruiting good players, so all of a sudden it's your program. Um, and Coach Meade gave me a lot of responsibility. I learned a lot from him and I learned a lot at the Naval Academy. Um, you know, I learned a lot from Jeff Long when I worked at Ithaca, but Seth Tierney, you know, I remember taking the job and he said, hey, your head's going to be spinning for a couple of years. Um, and as prepared as you, you think you are when you become a head coach, um, until you're in the seat, um, you know, you don't really realize some of the things that you're dealing with um, that you, you kind of take for granted, not in a, a negative way. It's just, you know, there's certain things as a coordinator and assistant coach like that you get focused on that you really don't have to think about. And when you're you know, the head coach, there's all these other things that, you know, kind of get put on your desk and things that you have to uh, do. And, and until you do them and until you get in some of those situations and have to navigate them, um, you, you just kind of have to get in there and do your best. So um, I think going up there, um, certainly uh, Scott Anderson, who was, uh, you know, my predecessor there, uh, was a great guy. He recruited a lot of really good kids. Um, you know, I think it was a guy that, um, you know, they gave us when we came in, I think they gave us more support. They were helping us more at admissions. Um, I think they saw that, you know, the league was changing and there was getting to be more support. Um, so that was something that they were doing for us that candidly, I'm not sure they, they, they did as much in the past. Um, so that was something that, um, you know, we were excited about. Um, obviously, was very lucky to, to bring together a really good staff. Um, including, you know, Kevin Warren, who um, took a chance coming up to Harvard after leaving UMBC when they were very successful. Um, and he helped a, a lot with that transition. Um, Anthony Kelly was on that staff and, and he did a really good job with us. Um, you know, we had Jail Reppert up there, who's now a head coach, Rob Cross. I mean, we had some really good coaches up there um, and, and they're all doing very well now. So putting together that staff was huge for us because, you know, I was a young head coach trying to figure it out, and I needed all that help. You take the Maryland job in 2011. You guys have made, what, eight championship weekends, I believe, uh, since then, which is just unbelievable. You know, I, I compare it, John, to Alabama football and Penn State wrestling, two sports I cover, two programs who have been dominant. And you see culture, you see great athletes, and then you see scheme as like a, you know, a, a distant third. And, and once that co coach has the culture in place, uh, they become such player led organizations, you know, such, such a, it seems to carry over from year to year and feed on itself. How, how, you know, in terms of building a culture, how, how do you connect and communicate uh, the expectations to, to, to the, to the team? You know, we're lucky, Quint, with with the saying, be the best. It it made our job a whole lot easier. Um, we don't have to come up with a new slogan every year. Um, you know, Bud Beardmore came up with be the best. Um, you know, when I first got here, obviously, I had a chance to meet him. Um, and he gave me one of his old books. Um, it's awesome. Like it. It's a, a thick book and there's like practice plans in there. There's philosophy is in there. They have depth charts, some of his plays. Um, and so I was thankful to meet him, thankful for my time with him. Um, but also, you know, you got a sense of, you know, the be the best is it just BS. It's not something that we just yell. It was something that he truly believed in and instilled in his teams. 
And for us, it's something that we can easily just explain to, to the kids and, and their parents when they visit, listen, be the best. It's, it's be the best version of yourself, which is never easy. And it's not something that everybody wants to do, but it's really being the best person, student and player you can be. And that is, again, a lot of that to me, there is some carryover to, you know, what the service academies do. You know, there's, you know, like those places, you're, you're taking more credits, there's more on your plate, you're challenged more. But I do think through some of the struggle, some of the challenges, you're going to grow more. Um, so, you know, we feel like, you know, we can't really focus on what other people do. We focus on what we do. But yeah, like there are things here that guys have to do that other places you don't have to do. Um, things like going to class, we, we check classes, all classes are mandatory. Um, you know, that's important to us. There's a self-discipline to go into class, getting up and going when you're cold and you're tired. Um, you don't feel like it. Um, you know, you maybe haven't done all the work for another class and, you know, it's like, well, coach won't know, I'll do my homework now. And, you know, I'll skip this class. Um, it's stuff that we feel like it is important. It's a, it's a self-discipline that you need to have. Um, so it is, it is hard here. Um, and so when we recruit, we try to explain that, hey, this isn't going to be the easiest place. I, I think it's a great place to be from. At times it's challenging, but I promise you, you're going to grow from it. Um, we're going to be here to help and support you. Um, you'll have teammates that will do the same. Um, but if you want easy, this just isn't a place where things are just going to be easy. It's just, um, but I think most of us, the most rewarding moments of our lives come when we've faced challenges or, or faced challenges or we've overcome obstacles. Um, but all the way you, you mentioned earlier, like they're 18 to 22 year olds, they need to have some fun too. And, and we get that. So there's a balance that you need to have. Um, you got to have great communication with your players. Um, you mentioned it before, like player led teams are, are, are the best teams. And right now, like I'm very lucky to have a really good group of older guys that, um, you know, when they bring something forward, um, I listen, I think about it. Uh, and typically when they bring suggestions, um, we usually do it or we do some variation of it um, because I know how dedicated they are and I trust them and respect them. Um, but that comes from, you know, like, you know, their time here, knowing how invested and how much they care. They're not looking to cut a corner. Uh, it's really important to them. Be the best, be your best. I often find myself when I drop off my daughter at school, she's 12 uh, and or, or gymnastics. I accidentally say that to her all the time. And, and it's, you know, again, it's not outcome driven. I think we lived in a, in a, in an era we grew up, it was, everything was outcome driven. It's that's trying to teach her that it's process driven. You know, it's, it's, Again, studying, doing the work, you get to pay off. You, meant, you mentioned uh, communication with your athletes. Do you, do you utilize like a leadership council? Are you in touch with captains? Like what is your formula for communication with the team in general and then individuals? Do you, do you have a lot of office time? Like how do you, how do you most effectively communicate? Yeah, I think most teams, like most teams, we have a, a leadership council, um, you know, and, and guys that, you know, we'll bounce ideas from, try to, you know, kind of get a sense of, you know, where are we? Um, you know, what do we, what do we need to talk about? What do you guys, you know, what are you guys seeing? Um, you know, and just kind of laying things out and running things by them. Um, Cause I, I think it's important to get their feedback. Um, and, and again, sometimes things that I think they value or they really want, they may not want. And some things that are really important to them, 
um, you know, they bring forward and, and I catch myself going, geez, I didn't, I didn't know how important that was. So I, I try not to assume anything. Uh, I, I want to get their thoughts. Um, you know, it could be as simple as, you know, how long we practice or where we're eating, what we're eating, um, you know, things of that nature. I want them to, to realize I do respect their opinions. I value their thoughts. Um, there are certain times when even though they may want something, we might not be able to do exactly what they want, but we are going to listen. Um, and sometimes we just have to do things um, because it's important and they may not see the value of it right away, uh, but down the road, it will be valuable. Uh, but I also want to give them the why we're doing it. Like, hey, we're not just randomly doing this. There's a purpose to what we're doing. And, and here's why you may not agree with it. You may not see it yet, but there is value to it. And I, we, I've been so lucky to have great staffs. I mentioned the staffs at Harvard, but I've been so lucky for the staffs that we've had here and, you know, the current staff, you know, obviously Jesse Bernhardt is, you know, obviously, you know, the Bernhardt family, um, Jim, you knew Jim really well, um, just comes from great stock, amazing family on so many levels. Um, and it's not just that they're great players and they're athletic. They just get it. They, they just understand team dynamics. They understand strategy. They understand motivation. They understand the, the value of strength and conditioning and how you, you know, treat your body, uh, things of that nature. You know, Bobby Benson, I mean, what a just fortunate situation for us to be able to bring in a guy with that much experience um, to us, a new set of eyes, fresh ideas, a guy that is just really creative um, to help us. And Carol Kennedy is a new coach for us. Um, who's been fantastic. He was at Hartford and came down with us. And again, just a different approach, new ideas. And, and I'm a guy that I'm always trying to figure out how can we be better? A lot of it is just listening to those guys and, and, and taking their experiences to try to figure out, can we be better maybe changing what we do and not being afraid to change and adapt to the way things are and, and trying to maybe be a little bit better just by changing things and keeping things fresh for the kids. Players are, are people first. Uh, how do you deal with uh, a lot of what these kids are dealing with uh, in their in their real lives, whether it be a family tragedy, uh, breaking up with a girlfriend, struggling academically, struggling socially? Like, what is your process like in terms of communicating with them one on one uh, to to try to maximize them, to try to get them in a better place? Well, I'll tell you, and I think most people would agree. Last year was really hard to do that um, during COVID you know, everything you were doing seemed like, you, you know, you were able to practice less um, and then you were doing Zoom um, and phone calls. There wasn't as much, you know, face-to-face -face interaction. And I think these guys grow up a lot of times, you know, they're texting a lot. That's kind of the way most of the kids communicate. Um, and I totally get it. It's convenient. It's kind of what everybody does. Uh, but I do think, you know, and I know you would agree, you know, especially, you know, raising a daughter, you know, there's nothing like talking to somebody, you know, seeing their facial expressions, seeing their body language, hearing their tone um, and reading them, um, because sometimes a text, things do get lost. I'm not the greatest texter. Um, you know, sometimes like things get lost in text and, you know, people don't sense what you're trying to get across. So um, I think for us, we try to have as much face to face interaction as possible. Um, you know, and sometimes that can be uncomfortable. I think we do believe in having uncomfortable conversations, um, even with our guys. Um, and, and I know for me, when I was their age, I would not have been a great communicator. Um, I was very intimidated by 
coaches, um, my college coaches, I kind of were in awe of them. I uh, wasn't the greatest player, um, so I was always nervous. So I think trying to get the guys to be able to come in and talk and kind of let your guard down is important um, and, and let them know you're human. Um, you know, like we're all in this together. Certainly, I have to keep a certain relationship with our guys. I'm not trying to be their best friend. Uh, there are times where we have to have hard conversations if guys aren't doing the right things, but it's never personal. Um, we always like to use the line. It's, it, it, I may not like the performance, uh, but I, I do like the performer. And, and I made a lot of mistakes uh, growing up and, and people stayed with me and they helped me. And so when guys make mistakes here, it doesn't have to be defining as long as we're learning and we're growing and we're not making the same mistakes. Um, so we're constantly trying to have them be accountable, acknowledge it, grow from it, and, and let's not do it again. So it's not defining. Um, and because that's what people did for me. Um, so a lot of what we do is, isn't really on the field. It's what we do off the field uh, to try to help these kids grow. I know sometimes it's hard for them to bring forward things because they don't want to let us down or they're afraid that we're going to be mad at them. Um, but, you know, there are things that we just need to know. And, and maybe, you know, it's not something positive. We've been very blessed. We haven't had a lot of issues here. And again, it speaks to the, the kids that we have here and the families we have here. Um, but inevitably with, with 49 guys, right, there's going to be some things. Um, and, and whether it's a bad choice or a missed class or to your point, um, family dynamics, you know, losing a grandfather, things like that. You know, we want to help them through those times and, and we want to let them, you know, know that, hey, there's a healthy way to go through some of these challenges. And, and you have a lot of people here that care and care about you and want to support you through here. It's just hard, I know, for them sometimes to open up. I know it was hard for me to open up. Um, and, the, and the phone situation probably doesn't help that much either. You, you, you're known for your work ethic. Uh, I, I know you've sent me clips at 11 p.m. or as early as 6 a.m. So how do you best, Matt, how do you best utilize uh, your time, especially right now in, in the heat of the season where it's where it's I mean, you're working a seven day week. How do you best utilize your time? Um, trying to provide structure as much as possible um, and, and get yourself in a structured situation. And I think, again, one of the many things I learned at Naval Academy, those kids are pretty structured. Um, they have a pretty organized day. So you got to maximize your time. Um, you know, so you, you kind of figure out what works best for you. And it's one of the things we try to teach our guys is to let's write things down. Um, let's look at our schedule. You have your class schedule. So we have that. Now let's build in your academic time. Um, when are you going to get your tutors? When is practice? Okay. And then when are you know, you're going to get your studying done? I don't think it's any different for us as coaches. Let's look at the week. Let's look at each day. And then what, what am I going to be doing in each of those blocks of time? Um, so I try to write all that stuff down. I try to do a to-do list. Um, it's pretty simple and, and kind of old school. Just write down the things that are most important and then do the things that need to be done first. Um, I, I, I'd be lying if I said that every day we get accomplished everything that we want. Um, there's always things that you're kind of disappointed you didn't get to, but um, I need to just write them down or I'll forget them. Um, you know, we're just super busy. So I, I know myself, that's one of my many faults is, you know, you get into the flow of the day and, and if you don't write them down, they're not right in front of me. Sometimes they don't get done. And there's a lot of people relying on me, making sure I do the things I need to do. And I don't want to let them down. How do you format practice tills? Do you look at it yearly, monthly, weekly? 
Uh, how much gray areas do you put into practice? How many audibles do you call? Like who has a say in what you do? And how do you make the decisions where we need to do transition work today? No, Bobby says we need to do more one-on-ones today. Like how, how do you figure all that out? Yeah, it's funny you say that. It, the, you know, we early season, you know, like the fall, there's, there's kind of like, okay, here's the fall. And let's look at the blocks of the fall. You kind of have the early, you come back, you get everybody together. For us, we, we kind of have a couple of weeks where we get them in shape. Um, and then we're following the NCAA rules where, you know, you can do only so many hours per week. So you're, you're trying to get them acclimated to school. You want to be, you want the, the young guys to make a good transition. Um, so you don't do as much early. So they get again, into those habits, they get their structure, um, you know, they have more time to focus on school and get adjusted. Um, and then you're able to assess some of the, you know, okay, these, this is where we are with some of the freshmen. Um, this is what we're looking at. And then you go into your kind of heavy 20 hour week. Um, and the 20 hour weeks are the max amount of time you could spend with, with the guys. Um, the other hours weeks are eight hour weeks. So um, we usually don't use all 20 um, in a given week. I mean, if you did the simple math, if you practice for two hours, you know, five days, you're only at 10. Um, so we usually don't come close to that. We do have strength conditioning that adds, we do have some film sessions that adds up. Um, but I think as the staff, um, you know, we kind of look at what are the things that we want to get out of the fall. And then we start working backwards. Um, same thing with the early season, but now that we're in season, um, I think we do a few things like today we already met, um, and I met with the staff and, and to your point, I asked the guys like, Hey, okay, what do you guys, what do we need to work on? Um, what do you guys want to do at practice? And, and I have my thoughts, but I want it to be collaborative. Again, I have a great staff group that I trust um, and I value their opinion. So um, I'll say, hey, you know, do you need enough time here? Or do you have enough time here? Do you want more time on this? Hey, do you feel like we're okay here? Um, and again, I'm so fortunate to have guys that, you know, if Bobby's like, no, we're good. I, I feel comfortable. It's not questioned. Same thing with Carol, same thing with Jesse but they're very prideful in the performance of their group, you know, defensively. So Jesse, if he needs time to, to work on some zone or, you know, some pick work or, you know, just some basic fundamentals, if he needs it, we're going to do it. Um, so again, that comes from hiring great people and then trusting them and allowing them to do their job um, and not trying to micromanage them. The harder you work, the more fun you need to have. How does this particular group uh, unwind and, and how do you keep it light and fun? Um, we're lucky because I think these guys do work incredibly hard. Um, they're very dedicated. And again, it comes from the leadership of our group. Um, I'm really lucky the guys that decided to come back, you know, sometimes when guys get an extra year, you know, having done this 30 years, sometimes guys come back for the wrong reasons. You know, they come back and, you know, they, they either don't want to, go into the real world um, or they want to kind of have that victory tour. Um, and, and the guys who came back, we wanted to think long and hard about, Hey, if you're going to come back, you know, come back and, and realize you've got to stay up to the standard of be the best. Um, and you don't get a free pass because you're older. And, and if anything, the bar is higher because you've been here longer and you know what is expected. Um, and all of those guys that have come back, they thought long and hard and, and so thankful that they did come back but all of them have lived up to that. So 
Um, they're setting a good bar. They're setting a good example, but they are a fun loving group. Um, so, you know, we try to make sure that, you know, they, they do have some fun along the way. And again, sitting down and talking to them about things that, um, you know, they want to do things that are fun for them. Uh, I, th I do think it is important. Um, you know, last week was spring break. So, um, you know, on Monday night, we, we actually gave them two days off, um, because we had eight days between games. So we gave them Sunday and Monday off again, giving them a little bit of a mental break to your point, like you work really hard. We need to balance that. Let's get two days where you're not, you don't have to come to the facility. If you don't want to, you can get away. You can kind of, you know, check your head a little bit. Um, so when they come back, hopefully they're excited to be back. But on that Monday night, we met with the guys over in Annapolis and, and had dinner as a group on spring break. And uh, Nick Manis and Nick Manis Sr. and Wilson Phipps joined us. We had a great dinner. Um, the guys had fun. They were able to go to the state capitol and walk around and just um, kind of do something fun. Uh, we went to a hockey game the next night. The guys all um, uh, jumped on the Metro and went in and want, went to a professional hockey game and saw D.C., um, you know, things like that, I think, go a long way. Their life experiences, the kids get to utilize the Metro, but wow, it's DC. There's so much to do here, um, you know, and then go to, go to a professional game, which is super cool, spend time together. Um, I think what's helped us a lot this year, Quint, is, you know, moving into our new facility, you know, we, we left a really old, uh, we like to call, say that it was um, kind of rustic, or it was weathered, um, it was just old, but uh, we moved into where football's locker room was and, and we quadrupled our space. And, and so this year, because we could now be in the locker room and last year during COVID, we couldn't, uh, we wanted to make it a place where the kids would wanna come. So um, we were able to bring in, like we have a ping pong table, we have dome hockey, we have bean bag uh, chairs, um, there's little mini goals and fiddlesticks in there. And I just was in there and the guys were, you know, playing like, you know, they were both shooting on each other with the goals and having some fun. Um, they have an Xbox in there. Um, so they were watching March Madness in there, um, things like that. So they were having fun just being themselves. And I think a lot of that we missed. I know our guys certainly missed because last year they were going in the locker room in shifts. They couldn't spend time together. And that's something that when I walked in here, um, you know, Dave Collard told me they're like a pack of wolves. When you see one, you see all of them. Um, and I was really lucky to walk in a situation where the kids did everything together and they still do. Um, so getting that back this year has been huge. Um, and it's something I'm thankful for, like all these guys, they're very inclusive. And if, if, if someone's not there, they're almost jokingly offended because they want everybody be together um, because they really take pride in that. It's something that is important to our team dynamic. Last one, coach, uh, you know, in, in, in what I do for a living, like I work for Disney who owns ESPN. Uh, that's who pays me you know, on a weekly basis. Uh, the producer is my boss. The executive producer is his boss, but, but I work, you know, the, what we talk about is we work for the fans. Who, who, who do you who do you work for? You're paid by the University of Maryland to coach lacrosse, but who do you feel that you work for? Um, I feel like I serve a lot of people. Um, I serve our kids to make sure they have a, a good experience. Um, I serve our families. They, they've invested 
you know, their faith in us um, to kind of continue to live up to the values that they've instilled in them um, so on a daily basis. And sure, yeah, they, they've come here for a lot of reasons. Um, get an education. I got to make sure that they're doing their best. Um, we promise that, you know, when we, you know, try to get them to come here. And um, so if guys aren't working hard or they're not living up to that, we, we hold them accountable. Um, so I feel like if we don't live up to what we promised, which is, you know, challenging them to be their best academically as a person and as a, a player, we have let them down. Um, so I serve the players. Um, you know, I look at it that way, um, just because, again, a lot of things I learned at, from the leadership group, um, you know, the people that were at the Naval Academy, um, you were, you know, the best leaders serve others. They don't, the, I'm not looking for the players to serve me. Um, I serve our assistant coaches. I have to get them ready for their job. Uh, I got to make sure I take care of them and their family. I serve our university. Um, I have to make sure that we live up to the standard and we represent um, the university the way that they want to be represented. Um, it's a great tradition of lacrosse. I got to make sure I live up to the standard of what historically has been a, a lacrosse program that means a lot to a lot of people. Um, it means a lot to the people in the state. And I think anybody that coaches at a school in the state, there's so much pride. And the fact that we run behind an American flag, um, you know, and, and that was given to me by Stephen Looney. I'm inspired by, you know, Brendan Looney, um, you know, guy that resided in our state and, you know, gave his all for our country. Like, I want to make sure that, you know, we're, we have that type of spirit, we have that type of selflessness, and then we run behind that state flag. So I want the people around here to take pride in what we do, not only on the field, but also off the field. So it's a lot. Um, it is, but it's something that inspires you every day. It motivates you to get up early, to work hard, to make sure we don't let people down. Um, and listen, I have the greatest job in the world. I'm so thankful. I don't take it for granted. Um, and it's something that inspires me, but also there's a responsibility um, that we have to live up to. Um, but it's something that, again, uh, I'm so thankful to be here that, uh, again, it just gets up, you get up every day, you never have to worry about um, what's your why, because you got 49 guys in your locker room um, that, that are there waiting for you and waiting for you to you know, okay, let's get this thing going. Let's make sure that I walk away from this experience of a better human being with a lot of opportunities and lifelong friends and, and something that will help me for the rest of my lives, just like my college coaches did, just like my, you know, my head coaches, you know, Jeff Longs and um, the Richie Meads and, and Richie Moran, who was a great guy for me. Uh, they did such a great job for me. I feel like I need to do the same for, for my guys here. And we're not perfect. I make mistakes. Um, um, I tell our kids all the time, we're all flawed, but it's owning those mistakes and trying to be a little bit better every day. John, we appreciate your time. Uh, and, and I got to tell you, I've really enjoyed watching you guys play this year. Uh, team ball, selfless, uh, smart, egoless, great sportsmanship. Uh, you, you guys really raised the bar for the entire country. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's outstanding. I uh, can't tell you how much I've enjoyed watching you guys play. Appreciate your time uh, and good luck the rest of the way. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for all you do for lacrosse.